I think of us as really working ourselves out of a job, right? We exist because inequities exist. This is the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. Innovation? Yeah, innovation. New, original, and creative. This podcast is designed to challenge the way you think about how healthcare is delivered. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please take your seat and fasten your seatbelt. Welcome to the Coleman Associates Innovation Podcast, the podcast that brings innovations and best practices in healthcare to your podcasting app. I'm Adrian, your host, and today I'm going to bring you an interview with Georgina Dukes. Georgina is the Southern Region Network Director for Unitas. Unitas provides a platform for communities to connect their many social service agencies to better coordinate care for community members. I should mention that Coleman Associates does not specifically endorse certain products or companies simply because we don't have the experience on the front end user side to be able to evaluate them fairly, but we will happily highlight innovators in the healthcare space that share our commitment to making healthcare better for everyone. This interview brings together my two great loves, other than my dog and husband, of course, data analytics and addressing social determinants of health. I can't wait for you to hear it. Let's listen to my conversation with Georgina. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, sure. So hello, everyone. My name is Georgina Dukes. I am the Southern Region Network Director for Unite Us. So I lead about 11 states in the South, the farthest north being Tennessee and North Carolina. I go all the way south to Florida and then all the way west to Oklahoma and Texas. So I work for Unite Us, which is a tech company based out of New York. We are a company that believes in connecting health and social care. So you can think about it as if you are a community-based organization and someone shows up to your organization that has needs that your organization doesn't traditionally meet. You could send that referral to another organization across the street and they will be there to accept it. So say if you're a housing agency and one of your clients needs food, you send it across the street to a food pantry, they accept it and you get that data back. So what we're doing is making this meaningful connection across the nation with all of these community-based organizations, health systems, health plans, government agencies. So really important work that we really need, especially right now in COVID times. Yes. And just for our listeners' benefit, Georgina, you and I actually first met at the Hub Luncheon at TEDMED last year before COVID. I still can't believe we all got together in Boston that time. I do. I think the work that you guys do is so interesting. And so can you give us an example of whenever you're talking about social services, because most of our listeners actually work on the healthcare clinic side, what Mm -hmm. sort of social services are you connecting folks with? So let me talk a little bit about like in North Carolina, for instance, one of my states. When we first started out in North Carolina building this statewide coordinated network, we wanted to build it out. So housing, employment, food, interpersonal violence, and transportation were the basic needs. Now, we all know there are way more social determinants of health than those core five, but we really wanted to kind of meet the bottom of the Maslow's hierarchy for someone in need and then kind of work our way up. So if you are a clinician and you mostly encounter patients and they're not being compliant, most of the time it's probably due to some social need they're experiencing outside of your four walls. So what we're trying to do is make it so you can have an answer whenever you notice that, hey, maybe they're struggling with paying rent 
or they don't have access to healthy food, let's give you this tool that can allow you to send a referral to a community-based organization that specializes in that, that they do that for a living and you get that referral answered, you know that patient made it and got that food or that rental assistance they needed and gets that um, information back into your system. So this, those are the type of social services we're talking about. The great thing is Unitas has over 30 different service types in our glossary. So we go way beyond the traditional housing, employment, food, interpersonal violence and transportation. I mean, we have childcare, spiritual enrichment, utilities assistance, wellness, it, it can go on. But we are just realizing that, you know, those basic needs are at the core of what every clinician needs when they need to send a referral to address a patient's social determinants of health. Absolutely. I can't tell you the number of times that I've interacted with a patient and what they need is not another medication or really even to see their medical provider. It's to address some of these underlying issues that can cause and manifest in disease processes. Our listeners will know that my background is in care coordination. And so I think a lot about how do we connect folks with these services? How did you get involved with Unitas, Georgina? So my background has been in hospitals and healthcare. So in South Carolina, where I was born and raised, I worked in rural clinics. I worked at the Medical University of South Carolina. So clinics, and then I moved to North Carolina and started working at Duke with Duke Heart, like as a strategy project manager. And so all of the projects that I did at Duke involved like ED utilization. How do we get that down? Readmissions. How do we prevent the patient from coming back to the hospital? And every last one of those projects revolved around social determinants of health. Even though, you know, Duke has a, a lot of powerful and intelligent physicians, they were only thinking about that clinical aspect. Maybe we need to change our processes and patient safety and different things that'll keep the patient from coming back. But I just really felt like we were missing what's happening with the patient outside. So I really started all of these projects around like, what does the patient experience soon as they leave? Like, is the case manager calling them? Are they assessing if they can make rent? Are they deciding between going to cardiac rehab and not because they don't have transportation? And I think that because I had that passion for it, it was seen. And I honestly just received a random LinkedIn request and I have not turned back sense because it just really brought out what I loved in healthcare and what I was passionate about and where my values sat with addressing those needs and ensuring patients weren't showing back up in the emergency department or being readmitted for different things that could have been preventable. Absolutely. And I'm thinking from our federally qualified health center and other community health center organizations from their perspective is, you know, you all are really addressing what the future of healthcare looks like, right? Is it's all about value-based medicine and making sure that we're keeping people healthy and not just, you know, seeing a fee-for-service model. It's a struggle right now for a lot of community health organizations because we're really living in two worlds, right? Is we get paid mostly on a fee-for-service model, we know value-based payment is coming and it's really our passion in terms of making sure that patients really stay healthy. How do you go about finding social service agencies in the areas that you work in? Yeah, so a big part of that is partnering with those leaders, especially at the FQHCs. Um, 
they know so much about the community. Like they see it in all aspects, even more than uh, academic medical center or community hospital. Like if you really want to understand how a community is, you go partner with the FQHC, the CEO, the case managers, and they will make sure you understand every single aspect of it. So what we do is we deploy community engagement managers locally. So in all of my states, we're hiring community engagement managers, or we've already hired that really know that set of counties that is in their region, and they go out and build those partnerships. So they're meeting with the leaders of the FQHC, the leaders of the community-based organizations, the mayors, any type of decision makers in that area and really saying, how do we make this work for this county? And just some of the things that we would hear is like, oh, there's, it's really urban, but there's a lot of rural pockets that don't have access to the resources in the urban center. Or if you partner with the health system, you might not have as much trust because there's something happening there. So you may want to partner, bring in like a faith-based leader with you. So we have those true authentic conversations when we're building that relationship with the community. And from there, after we have that discovery influencer meetings, we shift our focus to strategy sessions where we bring as many community-based organizations to the table to understand how this would work. Now, pre-COVID, these were large sessions, like we would rent out an event space, we'll go to breakout groups and all the housing gets together, all the food gets together, all the transportation agencies get together and they say, how can we make Unite Us work for our county? But now because of COVID, this is more of a virtual Zoom thing. You know, so you just have to do it more virtually and break out in groups, but you still get that same authenticity where we're talking, we're collaborating and figuring out how to make this work. So we demo, we build that collective impact and then we launch. So that is the process. It's just a really authentic relationship building grassroots to make sure we get the buy-in and to make sure the community feels ownership of it. As community engagement manager, we just want to see our community thrive. This is not something we're trying to push on the community. If they feel like it won't work because of something, we modify that. We change our approach to make sure it best matches what that county needs. Um, I also want to reiterate that everything we do at Unite Us is HIPAA compliant and secure. So we get the patient's consent to send these referrals so that make sure their information is protected. So if you are a behavioral health organization working with the patient, there's no need to worry there because the information is secure. You can feel comfortable sending referrals to community members when um, you are an organization that is of a sensitive service type like domestic violence or child protection or behavioral health. We make sure all of that's secure via uh, HIPAA, SAMHSA, FIPS, Federal Information Protection Standards, FERPA for education organizations. We have to check off all the boxes when it comes to compliance because that's how valuable and important we want to make sure our security is around making sure keeping the patient safe. So how do you all measure your effectiveness in a community and what do you see as the impact? We have a short-term and a long-term goal. So short-term, just taking you on this journey with me, is can we meet that immediate need for that patient? Now, as we switch to medium-term, right, going towards long-term, if we cannot meet that need, why can't we? We start asking those questions in the Unite Us platform to understand, is it that it's a lack of resources, especially in our rural communities, like if it's transportation, 
Why is there no transportation in this community? Is it a lack of investment? Is it a lack of knowledge? Is it because the community never had a platform like Unite Us before to show where transportation was needed the most? If that's the case, then this is where Unite Us could be a huge partner with decision makers. So we'll go to the funders, we'll go to the leaders that have that high decision-making power and say, look what we're seeing in your rural communities who are lacking transportation. And this is the reason why these inequities are existing, right? So we're showing that data. And then long-term is to do that community reinvestment, to be able to say like, Unitas met these needs and for the needs they couldn't help get met, this is where we need to reinvest into our community. This is where we need transportation, more housing agencies, more gainful employment. That is the long-term goal of Unitas. I can absolutely see how the Unitas platform would help to understand the inequities. And how do you view Unitas's role in addressing inequities? I think of us as really working ourselves out of a job, right? We exist because inequities exist. There are so many inequities in our community, and Unitas is a tool to highlight those inequities and have community-based organizations address it and have that money and funding go towards the right organizations so that everyone can heal and live a healthy, high-quality life. I think that is the overall effectiveness, and I tried to make it as simple as possible. I do know we have network health dashboards and network health indicators around utilization, network adequacy that I could throw at you all, but I think at the core of it, we are trying to meet the need, and if the need cannot be met, get the right resources in the community to meet that need so that people don't have to go around begging and asking for resources when it just should automatically be given to them as dignified human beings. Absolutely. So what sort of data do you all look at to measure your effectiveness? Yeah, so we look at data in multiple pieces. So I could tell you a little bit about our data that we are starting to see due to COVID, right? So we wanted to see what were the top needs around COVID in different states and just for the company overall. And with that data, with COVID, we had layered COVID mentions on top of what we're already doing at Unite Us. You could see that housing, income support, and food and utilities assistance skyrocketed. We're talking multiplying by hundreds, hundreds of percentages, wow. like increasing, right? And rightfully so, because people are now having to be remote. Whenever they screen positive for COVID, they have to go into isolation and they can't get food, right? They have to get meal deliveries or they can't afford rent because now they're out of work and they work hourly jobs. They're essential workers and they need utilities assistance and different things like that. So that's the type of data we been able to pull at Unite Us. Even if you look at like one of our more recent blocks, um, when we tried to layer a health equity lens on the data, we saw that just for different demographics, we tried to do intersectionality. We tried to layer race and gender on top of each other. And we saw that Black women were getting hit the hardest when it comes to COVID. It was about 60% more than any of the other race demographics. And again, we know for our Black African-American women, they tend to be the breadwinners. They tend to be the people in the household running things. And they also tend to be essential workers, right? So, and their parents and the parent, the kids are now out of school. So it's just the mental health resources, the food assistance, all of that together just has created this major dynamic in the data that we're seeing. And then the last piece that I would um, add is just some of the data that we're seeing in North Carolina, keep it locally. When COVID first set in in North Carolina, we had about 
2,000 community members that we had served. And then once we did this COVID rapid response initiative, we saw that those 2,000 community members increased from 2,000 to over 47,000. So over 47,000 people from March of last year to December needed resources and Unitas was there to meet those resources. And I think that that was a big piece of just the data points that we saw and just what those needs were in North Carolina. And because we were able to show the data points of what demographics these are, what zip code are they coming from, and what were those top needs, whether it was housing, employment, food, or transportation, we are able to take those data points back to DHHS, and then they created these COVID initiatives with their CARES Act dollars. They hired community health workers on the ground. I think it was a little over 500. And they were of all different races, ethnicities. They were bilingual, who really went out and helped people who screened positive or who were exposed to COVID be able to isolate and still get their social needs met at the same time. And then they created COVID support services initiatives where whenever that person screened positive and had an additional need, they were referred within the Unitas platform to an agency that had funding from CARES Act to do meal deliveries, to help them with medication adherence, to do transportation, to give them income support and those type of initiatives. So a lot of work came because of those data points that I told you, and it helped highlight to DHHS. The data you're talking about would be exceptionally useful to policymakers, local governments, state, federal governments. If folks want to learn more about Unitas, what can they do? Um, You can visit our website, unitas.com. We are excited about all this work we're doing across the state. So you'll be able to see all of our efforts from health equity to each each state that we are working with. Thanks to Georgina for sharing the work she does with us. A special thanks to Emily Rogan from Unitas for her help with making this episode happen. As Georgina mentioned, you can learn more about Unitas at unitas.com. If you haven't already, make sure to like and subscribe to the Coleman Innovation Podcast in your podcasting app. To keep up with all the Chispa happenings, including some recent pictures of Amanda's sweet baby Grace, follow us on LinkedIn. Special thanks to the rest of the Coleman team for helping me with the production of this podcast episode, and shout out to Jonathan of Bionic Squid for all of his podcasting help. We'll see you next time. Uh-huh.